is a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Basically defunct. 
going to be talking about that later because we have plans for them. But we are living through the greatest changes and all the top people are saying that in their own publications. The greatest changes for centuries are underway right now. And the public are given little bits of agendas thinking it's all unconnected. But everything that's happening is completely connected. While they're taking down the countries back home in Europe and in the U.S. and Canada, the Western countries are already pushing for the next part of their plan to do with the Middle East and to do with Iran. And we must remember that when the biggest fleets have set off to go over to the Gulf, to basically do the same thing they did with Iraq and that starved the people into submission for a few years. I'm Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix and just talking about the plans for the Middle East and Iran, where they're going to starve the people and blockade them. Iran itself is dependent upon exporting its oil to outside refineries that don't have much refining at home and getting stuff coming back in, refined gasoline. But also they need food and all the rest of it, medicine. And we saw what happened with Iraq when they starved the people for years and watched uh, millions of them actually die, starvation. We all heard Madeleine Albright, the good psychopath that she is, when she was asked if it was worth it, the starvation of men, women, and children, she says, oh, absolutely. That was it. That was it. Psychopaths don't say too much because they really don't feel too much, but they don't feel at all. So they want to do the same sort of process with Iran to get them on their knees, so they'll roll over and give the big boys what they want. And they don't want to break the, these, these strange rules they have, these international rules. They don't want to just simply go in and invade the place. They want to simply starve them out, you see. So they can write it in a different way in the history books. They love legalism. And at home, we know what's happening too with the borders. As they tighten up the borders under this terrorist farce that we're all living through. There's nothing to do with terrorism, as you know it. Terrorism really, if you look at their definitions of it, means anyone who's against globalism, anyone who still, still thinks nationalistically. You have to remember, too, that the big foundations, especially the Club of Rome, had looked at all the world systems that had existed and did exist, and what they favored most was collectivism, meaning communism. And if you look into the communist agenda, they wanted internationalism, an international system. In fact, the definition of peace, world peace under communism, was absence of all opposition. We found with, with the, the Norman Dodds report from the Rees Commission that the big foundations were working hard through many of their different wings and organizations and publication houses and writing school textbooks and so on to get us all used to the blending of the Sovietized collectivist system into the West. Well, that's happened. It's happened across the whole Western world. And that would never have happened, regardless of the foundations, if they hadn't had the okay from those above them, meaning the big rich people and royalties and so on, who already owned countries across Europe. The foundations are a front, you see. 
they're a front for the very rich people of the planet and royalty and aristocracy. It's a front thing bypass democracy. They don't have to, to be liable to any public input or cries as to what they're up to. And they love to hide behind philanthropic, or philanthropy, I should say. They call themselves philanthropic organizations. And if you look at everything that they fund, basically, all the, the major foundations across the Western world, it's the same stuff. It's abortion worldwide, bringing the populations down. All the old stuff that H.G. Wells, Huxley, and, and all the rest of them talked about this Malthusian concept of sustainable development and the culling off of what they call useless eaters. And we've got to better understand that means most people today most people are classified as useless eaters unless you're up there in high technology and very essential to the system. Because the old system of industry is gone. They set up China to be the manufacturer for the whole world. China didn't steal anything. They were given all the technology. And all the companies over in China are from America and Britain and Canada and the rest of Europe. They were set up to do that. So don't let all this saber rattling that China is going to invade us all scare you. China is owned by the same rich people who already own the rest of the globe. Otherwise, they would never have given them the capabilities to have an army or a military and all the high-tech weaponry. Believe you me, they'd never give your industry to your enemy. The same industry that would build your own tanks if you had to fight them. That means there's not going to be a war with them. They will be used as the policemen of the world, though, down the road. And they wrote about that back in the 1930s from the Royal Institute of International Affairs. They would take over from the U.S. as the U.S. became exhausted. Arnold Toynbee wrote a lot about that. You should read his books. And back home, to say this nonsense with the border is to do with containment of people, not to keep people out. We've seen this huge, massive fence built across Mexico. And it's a doubled-walled fence with a sort of road between it, between the two walls. And we see what they've done with all these flotillas of super heavy-duty gunboats that put on the, the Great Lakes, armed with heavy, heavy machine guns, big-caliber machine guns. And here's another report from CBC. That's a Canadian broadcasting corporation owned by the Canadian government, same as the BBC. And it's from cbc.ca. And I think the page is sitelife.cbc.ca. And this is about what they're doing with helicopters now across the Canadian border. It says, U.S. tightens security along Great Lakes border. It's Friday the 8th, 2008. Blackhawk helicopter like this one in Minden, Nevada, will be conducting daily patrols around the Great Lakes border from the newly opened Great Lakes Air and Marine Branch in Michigan. A Blackhawk helicopter like this one in Minden will be conducting daily patrols, etc. The same thing, they repeated twice for some reason. The United States will unveil new border surveillance measures Friday in a move that has one new Democratic member of Parliament decrying what he sees as the weaponization of the Canada-U.S. frontier. Well, this guy's really quick, eh? This, this politician, he's he just noticing it. The weaponization of the Canada-U.S. frontier. 
U.S. Customs and Border Protection is slated to open an air and marine border monitoring outpost just north of Detroit-Windsor border at Selfridge Air National Guard Base on Lake St. Clair in Michigan. The $17 million Great Lakes Air and Marine Branch will help fight human and drug smuggling. U.S. officials said, like, they haven't had all that before all these years, eh? And many agencies to already deal with all of that. The post will use 11 aircraft, including a Black Hawk helicopter and five patrol boats to patrol the Great Lakes waterways daily, said Eric Rembold, Director of Aviation Operations at U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Windsor West MP and NDP border critic Brian Mass voiced his concern Thursday about the implication of the new surveillance measures. If we're going to continue to see weaponization that is used in conflicts like Afghanistan and Iraq put on the Canada-U.S. border, saying that it's required for safety and security, it really changes the nature of our relationship, he said. And that's what you're seeing, really. You are seeing the weaponization and the same tactics being used uh, that they're using in war across the world. They're seeing it back home because they have to. They're, they're going to bring plagues in down the roads. And we've already, on this site, in fact, this, this, this particular program, we've gone through some of the pages that the Department of Defense for NATO is sent out. They printed it in the Guardian newspaper. It's on my website, 90 pages altogether to do with the coming riots across the Western world. And they expect these riots to start around 210, 212, and escalate up to 2030. So they've even got how long it's going to be dragged on. How do they know this? Because they're going to start taking down the food supply. A handful of corporations, which are really one, own the world's food supply. And now that they own it, they're simply withdrawing the food from the people, and they're jacking up the prices back home. This is war strategy. You always go for the food supply and the water. It says, after September 11, 2001, airplane hijackings, the U.S. Congress mandated the opening of five border monitoring outposts to strengthen the security of the country's northern frontier. The Michigan branch is the final one to be opened. Other four branches located in Bellingham, Washington, Grand Forks, Great Falls, Montana, and Plattsburgh, New York, were opened between 2004 and 2007. So that's to contain people when the riots, etc., start out, and also when they possibly will release their pandemics, which they keep telling us every other day is just around the corner. Quite something, isn't it? Quite something. And here's another article is to do with Agenda 21 now Agenda 21 is agenda for the 21st century and all the major countries of the United Nations signed on to this agenda along with Kyoto and all the other big moves they're going to put on the public moves that the public are pretty well oblivious of as they play themselves and follow the Hollywood crowd to see who's in the sack with who. Big, big things are happening. And as I said before about the big industrialized cities that were thrown up, and I mean thrown up, for the British and European industrial areas and the American ones, they want people out of them now because their job is over. And they want to move mass amounts of people 
into certain habitat areas. That's the Agenda 21 plan. This is an article from a Scottish magazine, and it's from the Scotsman.com, actually, 13th of August 2008, by Jerry Peeve. So a leading Tory think tank is urging people from cities in the north of England to move south if they want a better life. Now, this is how they're couching you to get moving. Cities such as Liverpool are beyond revival, and millions of the residents should move to London. I repeat that. Millions of the residents should move to London and the southeast instead. And I'll continue with this particular article after this break. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Going through an article from the Scotsman newspaper from the 13th of August 2008. Now let's repeat the first little part of it. By, it's by Jerry Peeve, a leading Tory think tank. It's a big think tank. Think tanks are used to create a public opinion, basically. They give us their talk, we parrot it, and that becomes our opinion. A leading Tory think tank is urging people from cities in the north of England to move south if they want a better life. Cities such as Liverpool are beyond revival. It's an old industrial city, and millions of the residents should move to London and the southeast instead. The policy exchange think tank, its policy is a big one, claims today in a report. It says the conclusion will prove controversial and is untimely as the Tory leader, David Cameron, starts a tour of regional cities today to try to win over sceptical voters. Coastal cities such as Liverpool and Sunderland had lost much of their reason, reason for being with the decline of shipping and had little prospect of offering residents the standard of living to which they aspire, the report states. Now, remember I said at the start, this is part of the Agenda 21 program. All of this stuff was discussed about 20 years ago by the big, same big think tanks that helped create policy. The Royal Institute for International Affairs say in their own reports that they create policy for governments to follow. And the Council on Foreign Relations is only the American branch of the same group. So they knew many years ago what they were going to do, and that's why these cities have not been kept up to standards. That's why you've got the big potholes and the sewage systems falling apart and everything else. Nothing was planned to be repaired. These cities were purpose-built to serve the big elites during the industrial era and during wars, big major wars. They were big producers of ships, etc., and armaments. And they have no purpose now because... All of manufacturing is over in China. They knew this would happen when, from the GATT treaties and the other treaties they signed to allow them to ship their factories wholesale over to China, they knew what would happen back home. And they called this a service economy where the countries would be left, like America and Canada, just passing things around that are sent into the countries. That's what a service economy is. So, 
goes on to say here, it was time to be realistic about the ability of cities such as Manchester, Leeds and Newcastle to regenerate struggling neighbours such as Liverpool, Bradford and Sunderland. No one is suggesting that residents should be forced to move. Ha, ha, ha. But we do argue that they should be told the reality of the position. Regeneration in the sense of convergence will not happen because it is not possible, the authors conclude. The university cities of Oxford and Cambridge were well-placed to become economic powerhouses, the report argues, like the industrial north in the past. What a joke that is. Because how are millions of people going to go into already overcrowded cities? Never mind the riots that'd be from people who, who are going to start fighting for the same jobs. And never mind them all being squeezed together, all fighting for, to, to rent apartments and escalating prices with, with their, their own economy falling through the floor. It says here, the authors included Tim Lunig, a lecturer in economic history at the London School of Economics. Very important institution, the London School of Economics, because their job was to train the left wing that would fight in the dialectical process, but it actually was set up by Oxford, the London School of Economics. Everyone who was trained there, if they didn't go for a road scholarship at Oxford, went there instead and they took the hard left agenda in the dialectic con game. The issue is clear. Current regeneration policies are failing, and, very, and the very people they're supposed to be helping are failing them. He also added there's no evidence that the trend will be reversed without radical changes. Well, it's not meant to be reversed. We forget simple history. Simple history goes back to when the Corn Laws in fact, were repealed, as he called them, in Britain to kick off the industrial era to get the folk off the land. And the bill was put forward by Lord Rothschild in Parliament. And what it did was allow foreigners to dump their corn and their wheat and oats and all the rest of it on the British public much cheaper. It put all the little farmers out of business and they ought to move into the cities and they became factory workers. That was, that's why it was done. That's why they dumped corn laws to get them into the cities and these cities were thrown up these row houses and so on were just thrown up you were squeezed into them and they lived one hellish existence working 16 hours a day sometimes 18 hours a day 16 was normal they even had discussions in the, in the late 1800s early 1900s about giving them time off or shorter working hours and the elite were so worried that if the short working hours, they might start talking with each other and complaining and protesting. Big, big debates about this. You don't trust the public, you see. The public have a function and that's to serve them and their agenda. And therefore, we're seeing this, this start of what they're not mentioning here, which is Agenda 21. That's the policy for Agenda 21. And we're going to see a lot more of this across the whole Western world and Canada in the States as well. I've already mentioned that in Canada, especially in places like Ontario, they're going to double, maybe quadruple the taxes to get people off the land, to get them moving into the cities from the rural areas. Agenda 21, read it up. It's a massive document. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
going through the matrix, just talking about some of the big plans are underway. And I said years ago, you know, the hardest thing for people who are aware of things happening and what it's all about, the hardest thing will be holding on to your sanity as we go through it, as they hit us with all kinds of massive changes, one after another, sometimes many at the same time. And this was mentioned by H.G. Wells in his book, Shape of Things to Come, where this scientific elite that creates the new world system and living in their big ivory towers have the mob down below who actually asked them and begged them to stop the changes. They had nothing that was normal to hang on to anymore. And there's always new changes coming along because this whole evolution religion is based upon having challenges to meet and something to conquer. And those who cannot do so must perish. That's what they believe. Therefore, we're going to go through rapid changes. And you can imagine, like that last article I just read, to do with people getting crammed into already overcrowded cities. What happens when the plagues break out there then, eh? Well, we'll all go down together rather quickly. And I'm, I'm sure that's part of the whole point. And you're guaranteed rioting regardless as the economies go down and people are homeless and they're all crammed into overcrowded cities. This is the agenda. It's not pretty picture. And this is intentional. These characters know what they're bringing upon the world. And they plan to reduce the population significantly. Incredibly, in fact. Back in the 80s, I saw drawings by some of the top architects of these domed cities they plan to have in the future over existing major capital cities. Uh, but these are much smaller capital cities. And I asked this one person why it was so small, one for Toronto. He says, well, along with a fraction of its population by then. We're living through plans. We're living through a script. And every major event is already written out and planned that way. And you simply see the results. And the media keep you thinking it's all just happenstance and things stumble down across your way through time by accident. Nothing is by accident in this great big plan, this great work, as they call it. Now, when I go to the phones, and we've got, uh, is it Chai in London on the phone? Yes, yes, Alan. Hello. How's it going, man? Not so bad. I'm hanging in. Great. Good to hear it. Uh, yeah, I just thought I'd represent, really. There aren't many... Uh Many people from the UK calling you, I noticed. Mm-hmm. I listened through a couple of hundred of your podcasts now. Kind of got the general idea of the kind of uh, story that you're weaving. Yeah. And, um, yeah, about that article you just read, I just went up on The Scotsman just now. Yeah. And um, they've got another article here which says, Cameron rejects Northern City claim. Tory leader David Cameron has branded a report by a conservative-leading think tank which suggested people should abandon northern cities as complete rubbish. Is this some kind of dialectic or something I'm seeing here? What is, what is to do is to implant the idea in people's heads. It's not the only uh, report that's come out on the same topic, in fact. Uh. I noticed there were other topics coming out in different papers with different characters giving out the same suggestion, and, and, but they all did focus upon moving down to, to London and the southeast of England. And at the same time, uh, one other... Uh, newspaper was mentioning that people that were in the coastal 
areas, even the southeast, should yeah. move back in, inland again. Now, if you go into the Agenda 21, they don't want people living around the coast. Yes. So this all falls uh, in, into this, this uh, Agenda 21 plan, yeah. Crazy f people, I'm telling you, man. Yeah. It's, it's crazy once you actually see how everything's coming together. Yes. And yes. so it, basically what you're saying is it doesn't matter that what they do is they tell you the truth and then it doesn't matter if they completely reverse deny it. It doesn't matter at all, no. Because the information has already been put up there. God, what a... Yes. No. And, and you'll find, too, that when the, the big people speak, even if they retract it, they, it's, it's an order to their own kinds and bureaucracies to start getting into action and start working on these... But they oh, have, they've already been doing it, in fact. Yeah. Oh, it's contemptible. Mm -hmm. It's so contemptible. Yeah. It's interesting about what you're saying about... Um, depopulating the certain areas and moving them into the cities because I was speaking with my mother recently and she lives in Malvern which is a small town just mm -hmm. south of Birmingham yeah. and she said that even there in the supermarkets and things the uh, the goods are starting to look like they're thinning out a bit Yes. and um, while well, I started to explain to her <laughs> some, some of what uh, we've been learning and um, I told her that about the whole thing that um, you know, well, how could you, how could you tell me? Because you didn't know anything about it either. And she was like, yeah, I didn't know anything about this, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was trying to keep her informed. And my brother as well. My brother is completely hooked on these video games. Uh, yep. You know, the Xbox 360. And uh, there's nothing I can really do about it. No. You know, it's, it's just you have to let people do their own thing. Yes, but, yeah, um, you have to. Yeah. But conversely... I know a lot of people are calling in saying, oh, I've been trying to wake this person up for decades and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. um, I've been speaking to a lot of people recently since I started the waking up process properly about three weeks ago, that was a, or three months ago, which is just before I discovered your work. Mm -hmm. And um, you'd be surprised how many people here are waking up in the UK, actually. Yes. I guess it's because it's at the forefront, isn't it? The UK so has always been used as a model for the rest of Europe and America. It's first... Yes with all, every part of the agenda, yeah. So it's, it's kind of impossible for people who can still just about think for themselves to ignore what's going on. Yeah. And um, interesting, I went to a couple of festivals recently. You know, the plethora of music festivals they have here, right? Sure. The post-60s kind of hippie, hippie stuff mixed up with all the popular music. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to one festival called the Secret Garden Party. It's in Huntingdonshire, near, near Cambridge. Yeah. And uh, it's actually on the land of some lord, I mean, proper high-up guy. He's actually uh, apparently related to the royal family, yeah. this kind of stuff. His son basically made this private party, which is a festival of six, 7,000 people in their backyard, basically. Mm -hmm. And um, it's uh, so interesting having this experience after the learning process I've been going through and just uh, noticing all the pure hedonism, you know, and uh, pursuit of of pleasures and all the rest of it. Yes. Everyone's just completely oblivious to what's mm -hmm. really going on. Just out yeah. there for pleasure, listening to the music, taking the drugs, you know. Yeah. And um, all this crazy stuff. Yeah. In that's it. Well, that's what Russell said. They do. They, 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 they create a hedonistic, uh, narcissistic society uh, at the time, and it'll be at its peak, uh, when, at the greatest changes. That's when it comes to its peak, and we're seeing that happen right now. Yeah. And now it's just on auto, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the same time, yeah. um, they have at these festivals. They have, you know, they have different cafes, different groups who come in and p pitch their yurts and their tents and all the rest of it. Yeah. There was a group called um, 
they call themselves the conspiracy camp. Uh-huh. And I went in there and uh, I, had a, I had a chat with the guys and um, a lot of them are familiar with your work, you know, and a lot of other, other people who are putting stuff out. Mm-hmm. And they give, they give lectures and things like this and you hand out DVDs. So um, there was a lot of activity in this area, which I found yeah. quite interesting. Mm-hmm. And speaking to a lot of people, I just went around and basically for the last few weeks, I just chat to people about this kind of stuff that we talk about on your show, for example. Yeah. And um, and there's a lot of people who are who are clued up as to different parts of it. Yeah. And I was quite surprised actually because initially, a few a few months ago, I was speaking to people. I I, I kept receiving the same exactly the same responses. Uh huh. Yeah. It started getting it just started getting eerie. Yes. In fact, and these were very different people. You know, mostly English. Mm-hmm. And um, the same responses over and over again, the same kind of types of denial, the same excuses, all the rest of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, the program run, the programming runs deep. Very deep. But it's very deep, and especially in Britain and socialised countries. That's it. Yeah. They're experts at, at managing vast populations. Yeah. As I've noticed, as I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, but conversely, there are a lot of people you know, waking up whether, well, because of the destruction of the family and the group and everything, whether anyone can actually get together and, and create any kind of change is a whole other thing. That's right. That's the, going to be the hardest task. If they can still have kind of loyalty for each other and stand up for each other at the right time. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you. The, um, the global warming is really kicking off here at the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, really big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that could be the big stick to, to, to change the world, yeah. I guess it's always been big here with the, you know, the new religions that are promoted... I mean, it's through, it, it all ties into it. Britain again is the home of it, yeah. <laughs> through the popular culture, through the music, mm-hmm. and recently, in fact, just in the last uh, few months, specifically, people are toting these cloth bags around. Uh-huh. You know, everybody, everybody, and um, it's become this massive, crazy kind of subculture. You've even got young fashion designers, you know, putting their logos and their slogans on them. Yes. And this kind of stuff, it's like, uh, it's it's just weird. Well, that's, again, what Plato said. They would use all the industries, and he, including the fashion industry. He called it the fashion industry 2,300 years ago. <laughs> that's right. And the people never think. They never think. No, they never do. I mean, yeah. if, you're not, if, you're not, if we're not giving the information to process, mm-hmm. I yeah. guess uh, there's going no, to be no kind of, uh, no kind of critical think-thought process going on there. That's correct. In fact, that's what Brzezinski said. The public will be unable to, to reason for themselves. They'll expect the media to do the reasoning for them. And, and they do. Most of them do. Yeah. Mm. That's right. So um, you've, been, you've been reading these kind of books for a long, long time, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that um, you, you quote the, the same sources mm-hmm. quite often, obviously, because you have to get new people yeah. Who don't listen to your show kind of into the rhythm mm-hmm. of the kind of stuff that you're talking about. Yeah. I've been looking into these books, and yes, indeed, anyone who's listening out there, read these books. And um, it's true, they, they tell you everything. Mm-hmm. It's all there. There's, there's no conjecture involved. No, there's none. You don't have to guess. No, no need to guess. Mm-hmm. All right, Alan. Well, I know you've got more people to chat to. Thanks for calling. Uh, before I head out, I just want to say on the air, if I can, everybody who's listening to Alan, donate some money to him now, because he really deserves it, okay? Even if, I know everyone's broke, even if it's just two or three dollars, pounds, 
set as whatever whatever currency you use. Just PayPal him some cash. I appreciate and, uh, that. I'm sure it'll go a long way. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. And not at all. I'll call you again, all right? Will do. And uh, have a good evening. You too. And thanks for calling. And now, uh, before I go into the next caller, actually, here's something to do with the weather warfare. And this was put out uh, under a title. I'm trying to find the actual, uh, see the world vision here, it says, but it was, it was put under the title, Weather is a Force Multiplier, Owing the Weather in 2025. Now, they've already done it. This was put out in 1996. And it was a research paper presented to the Air Force in the United States. It says, um, I guess the highlights of the, what they're going to use for weather modification, talking about completely owning the weather, including spraying and all the rest of it. And I'll try and put the link up to this at the end of the show. Uh, but they say that the technology is there waiting for us to put, or pull it all together said General Gordon R. Sullivan, moving into the 21st century, America's Army and Modernization from the Military Review, July 1993, quoted in Mary Ann Seagraves and Richard Simber, weather as a force multiplier. Basically what they're saying in here is that they had all the technology ready then, back in the 90s. We've seen them being used heavily for the last 10 years or more across the world to create the weather modification that's now caused, called global warming. Because when they're spraying you, it traps the, the air in, all these tiny particles of metallic uh, barium and aluminum oxide reflect light back and forth, back and forth, and it can't escape back out into space, basically, the heat. And it warms the planet. And it, they're also using this to alter the jet streams with the HARP technology. But I'll put this link up at the end of the show, and you can read it all up for yourself. It says, it's, it, says it could become more important weapon than the atom bomb. That was William B. Meyer in the life and times of U.S. weather. So there's lots of data in this particular article to do with it. And they're using it. They're using it every day now. I've watched them spraying the skies, bring daily thunderstorms. You can, it's like clockwork. And the whole of Ontario and a good part of the bread basket of Canada has been flooded out. So there's, the food's going to be scarce this winter. I'm warning you all now. And it's the same in the United States over the breadbasket area. They're being flooded as well. This is intentional because you go for the, where the bread is made in a warfare, and we're under war. This is a warfare scenario, total war on the public, to change our ways under the guise of global warming, and then blaming us that we're causing it. And remember the Club of Rome article that I've written, I've read many times from their own book called The First Global Revolution, they said that they dreamed up the whole idea of global warming so they could blame the public for causing it and then change our lives and let it, allow ourselves to be guided into a new system of management by using this particular technique. Now, we've got uh, Mo in Oregon. Are you there, Mo? Hey, thank you very much, indeed, for taking my call. Great show, uh, like as always, indeed. And uh, uh, my questions to you is, uh, the last weeks uh, there were exercises in Indian Oceans and with American and French and uh, British 
etc. Now, all those ships are going to go to the mouth of Persian Gulf, which is going to be blockade of Iranian oil from Iran uh, or uh, coming to Iran or exiting from Iran. Yeah, so, so what do you see on that? So, so that means already we are going to go war with Iran in uh, uh, very soon then? Or well, I, I started to show off with this. I mentioned that they sent the biggest fleet over there because they planned to give them the same treatment as Iraq. We forget that Iraq was starved for years before right. they eventually went in and hit it. They planned to take uh, Iran down the same way, starve, starve them, stop food and medicine coming into the country, and, and take it down gradually that way as well. Uh, they love this technique of starvation, and it's only, it's only other people anyway. They don't care uh, how many they sure. kill. And I, I mentioned that Madden Albright um, said that this kind of technique was well worthwhile. And she didn't see any problem with, with slaughtering or starving millions of Iraqis. So they're using the same format uh, to get what they want in the Middle East. Now remember, the new American century, we keep forgetting that this whole club that's in it right now with the Bush regime, regime are part of this uh, club called the new American century. They published their whole agenda starting with uh, Afghanistan, uh, then Iraq, then Iran, then Syria has to come after that as well. So this is the whole agenda uh, coming down right now. It might take a few years, who knows, and they might do it quickly. Back with more after these messages. Hey, folks, I am Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. And we'll time for one more caller. Uh, Sandra from California, are you there? Hello? Hello? Hello, yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing all your vast knowledge with the world. I think it was you that um, said something about that the Chinese cannot uh, live in their air any longer Mm -hmm. and that they've been told that they can colonize elsewhere. Yes, they're moving into Africa big time and other places, even. Pacific uh, countries as well, islands and so on, they're moving in, yeah. There's been articles in the papers here. I wanted you to hear uh, what Secretary Paulson said from China. It it rather shook me to my core. He said, they are attempting to do something that is breathtakingly difficult. Move a billion people from an undeveloped country to a developed country. Yep. So that is like, like you say, they always tell you what they're going to do before they do it. Yes, they do. And, and I wanted to ask you about this Russian thing. Is this just a whole global plan? Is it um, it's not just so much us against Russia? It's just a whole global plan going on? It's a global plan. There's no doubt Georgia's uh, vital for the, the big oil pipelines that are going to get put up through there. And uh, they're simply making sure that, that, that the right elite... Uh, have ownership over it. That's all that's happening there. Yeah. That's it. Okay, well, thank you again for all your knowledge, and thank you. And thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah, Georgia, as I say, Georgia is um, a central place. It's, very, it's also got a lot of strategic uh, uh, properties, too. It's not right on uh, the Iranian border, but it's, it's close enough for, for air bases and so on. So, And it's also, people forget that Stalin created 10 super cities that were high-tech cities 
uh, involved in weaponry of all kinds. There are no maps today. You still won't find them on maps today, but they do exist. And I think one of them uh, was located, uh, at least attached to Georgia. And that's where a lot of the scientists of, of, that, of the Soviet Union lived, uh, doing bacterial and viral warfare and stuff like that. But it definitely is a, of a vital interest to do with these big pipelines that are going to build up as they take all the oil out of the Middle East and transport them elsewhere. So that the elite will make sure that the right elite have ownership over all of that property. They must rake in the cash somehow. And they're very well known down through the ages as, as pirates. You forget the Knights Templars became the pirates. And the Knights Templars had the skull and bones flying above their, their ships. That was their flag. They called it, you know, they call it different names, but it was the skull and bones. And the Queen was just the, the first court was staffed by basically buccaneers or pirates, all belonging to the Rosicrucian order that came from the Knights Templars. And from that came the later Freemasonic associations as well, all basically working for their system. But the ones at the top know that they're allowed to loot, to basically loot the profane, those who live in the world of darkness, because the profane have no other function, apparently, according to the elite. And when there's too many of us, they plan to kill us off, very, very simply. We're all economic units, and if we don't produce for them, and there's no function for us in a production capacity, then they're going to start killing us off. And unfortunately, we've been doing it by surreptitious means since the 1950s, through inoculations and the food and all the rest of it. Bad news, but you've got to face it if you want to come through. There are things we can do. From Hamish myself up in a thundery Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.